During this 4th of July weekend, I thank God that we still have freedom in our land. But we, the church, also are responsible to pray. We are to pray for those in authority. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4 instructs us to pray for kings and those in authority. What for? So that we can live quiet and peaceable lives, but also so that the gospel can continue to be propagated, can be preached without fear of reprisal. And we cannot take for granted our office, our responsibility as a church, and that God would just have mercy in our land. He's the one that raises up. He's the one that removes. And we must pray that he would just continue to help our nation to experience the freedom that he intended for us to experience in our land. And that requires our prayer. So during this 4th of July weekend, I pray that you pray uh, that God would continue to have his hand uh, upon our land and more importantly that he would send a revival from the east coast to the west coast because the remedy is God's working in our land through righteousness because righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people we need him to rain down righteousness we need him to lead us his children in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because that's the key for transformation in our land now last sunday um, I was blessed on Monday hearing what happened here last Sunday. I heard the message that was shared on walking in the Spirit. Uh, and, and Brian Smith, thank you so much for delivering that word. It ministered to my heart. And we were, we were instructed how walking in the Spirit is similar to surfing. And we learned how in order for us to walk in the Spirit, we got to learn to catch the wave of the Spirit. Because it's not through striving. It is actually through letting the Spirit lead us that we can walk in the life that He calls us to live. And then we learn that if we want to walk in the Spirit, we've got to identify. We've got to identify the battle within. All of us are battling with something within. There can be a work of the flesh that we're battling with, but if we're going to overcome it, we first have to identify the battle within. And then we learn the importance of identifying the kind of fruit that we are bearing. Uh, Brian talked about a tree that he had in his backyard and he thought it was as good as gone. But his father-in-law instructed him, no, 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 no. In Spanish, though, no, 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 no. In English, it's no, 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 no. In Spanish, no, 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 no. Okay, not to cut it, not to remove the tree. And, and then he, he allowed the tree to grow and, and it, it, it produced some wild lemons. And, and, and so he talked about it's important that we identify the kind of fruit that we're bearing. And then thirdly, we need to set our minds on things above. We need to set our minds on the right things. Philippians 4, 8. And if we'll do that, we will walk in the Spirit. So I want to continue our series on our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we can benefit from His working in our lives. And I want to share with you on be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a verse that Paul penned in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and specifically verse 14. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Notice, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Bible teacher and commentator, Warren Wiersbe points out the verb here for led by the Spirit means willingly led. He continues to point out, we yield to the Spirit and He guides us 
by His Word. We yield to the Spirit, and He guides us by His Word. Now, it is important to point out again that it literally means willingly led. Why? Because God is not going to lead you and I unless we're willing to be led by Him. In fact, He instructs us through the psalmist in Psalm 32, verses 7 and 8. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Notice, I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Now, you know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you you can't make it drink, right? Or stubborn as a... Both of these sayings re- reveal that these animals can be resistant to being led. And God is saying, don't be like that. I'm willing to guide you, but there must be a willingness on your part to be led. And he also says there that he will, he says, I will guide you with my eye. Now, if you were parent, if you were parented by parents like me, you know that there are, one of the ways that parents like to guide or lead or instruct is through their eye. My dad would, would guide me with his eye. He would do this number, you know, he'd be, I knew what he was saying. He was implying there's something over there that needs to get done. But sometimes I would play coy. I would play dumb like if I didn't see him. So then it went from... Now it's no longer just his eye. It's his neck and his head trying to guide me, you know. And and sometimes I would play even dumber. And uh, I learned through the application of the board of learning to my seat of understanding the importance of being willing to be led and guided by his eye. Now God is saying here, I'll guide you, but what he's saying is that his leading must be coupled by our going. Let me say that this way. God's leading includes his guiding coupled with our going, with your going. You see, he'll only lead if you're willing to go where he's leading you to. And so, Paul is pointing out here that God willingly leads his children and those that are willing to be led. Now, there's a commentator and a a theologian, his name, Wayne A. Grudem. And he points out, since the Greek word translated led is a present participle, it may be translated as many as are continually being led By the Spirit of God. Get that. So Paul is saying as many as are continually being led by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Spirit wants to continually lead you and I. The Spirit is constantly looking to guide us. He doesn't want us to be stuck in the dark. God's children don't have to wonder what to do next. Because God's Spirit is ready to reveal the next. But then, there continues, this leading is not to be restricted to objective knowledge of the commands of Scripture and conscious effort to obey them, though it most certainly includes that. Rather, it more fully includes the subjective factor of being sensitive 
to the promptings of the Holy Spirit throughout the day. Promptings that if genuinely from the Holy Spirit will never encourage us to act contrary to Scripture. So when we talk about, or Paul is writing to us, of being led by the Spirit, he's pointing out the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to lead you to carry out what God has instructed us to do according to His Word, which is His revealed will through His Word. He shows us. But the Holy Spirit also, if we're sensitive and responsive, He'll prompt us. He'll, He'll speak to our hearts. He'll speak to our spirit to carry out actions that are in line with God's leading of our lives. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been prompted to do something kind for somebody? Have you ever been prompted to send somebody an encouraging word? That's the Holy Spirit. Yet, I have to willingly respond. And here's the thing. The more you and I grow sensitive to those promptings, as well as willing to follow through on it, the more the Spirit will offer His guidance in our lives. Wow. I want to grow in that. I want to grow in His leading in my life. But then again, the Holy Spirit will never lead us to act contrary to Scripture. You know, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic church, we, we hear people say, the Lord told me. And, and, and sometimes it's not the Lord who told you. It was that pizza you had last night. How do I know? Because what the Lord, you're saying the Lord told you is not in line with the Scriptures. And whenever something is, you feel God told you, is in, uh, contrary to Scripture, it's not the Lord. It could be your own spirit telling you. Or it could even be a demonic spirit. If it's the Lord guiding and leading, it will never be outside the bounds of His Scripture, of the principles, precepts that He has laid out in His Word. Now, speaking of being led by God, there was this one farmer, this rancher who owned land and... uh, uh, just was frustrated in his walk with the Lord and felt like definitely God had more for him to do. And so one day he's sitting on his back porch and he's looking over his land and he's just crying out to God and saying, Lord, I know you have more for me. I know that you want to do more through my life. Give me a sign. Speak to my life. And and about that time, all of a sudden, a, a, a huge blimp was overhead coming over his property. And on the side of the blimp, he saw three letters, G-P-C. And he got excited, so excited that he sold his ranch, he sold his farm, and he told his wife, we got to move on. And he bought an 18-wheeler and, and a tent and chairs, and, and, and he just felt that God was calling him to go and evangelize and go from city to city and proclaim the gospel. So he gets this 18-wheeler, gets the tent, gets the chairs, and then he goes to the first town that he feels the Lord was leading him to. He sets up the tent, and then he puts out the chairs, and he's all excited about that evening, about having his first crusade, and nobody shows up. Second night, nobody shows up. Third night, nobody shows up. Finally, he's discouraged, despondent. He's there under the tent before the lights are going to be turned off. He's, he's crying out to God, God, what happened? Finally, God does speak audibly to him. God says, what do you mean? Well, I know that you called me to do something for you. God said, what do you mean? Well, when that blimp came over my property and had the letters GPC, 
God says, what do you think that meant? Well, of course it meant, go preach Christ. God said, no, it meant, go plant corn. So when it comes to the leading of the Lord, we have to be wise to make sure that we're hearing him rightly. Now, there's a passage in scripture that God has used to speak to me about his leading. And I want to share it with you. It's in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. And I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. And by the way, Simeon here could also be a reference to the Simeon that helped Jesus carry his cross. That's what some commentators share. Then it says, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had brought, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who would later be known as Paul. It says that they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, as I was meditating on this passage, I felt impressed by the Lord. Uh, and I felt that he revealed to me two very important principles from this passage. Initially, when I was looking at this passage, I was going to break it down in a different way. But as I was studying it this week, I felt the Spirit say, no, I want you to focus on these two basic fundamental principles because they are key for my for the children of God to be led by the Spirit in a way that they bear fruit that last. And so here's the first principle. Minister to before minister for. Watch that. Minister to before minister for. What do you mean, Pastor Angel? Look again at verse 2. Acts 13, 2. And notice the bold parts. As a minister to who? To the Lord. And then it says, separate to who? To me. This is the Lord speaking. Separate to me. As a minister to the Lord. And then he said, separate to me. In other words, he's calling the church to understand its priority is to first, above anything, minister to him. He wants us to be separated unto him before we're separated to a work or for a work. This is basic. This is foundational. When the Spirit is leading you in your life, in your walk with the Lord, what you'll discover is if he's truly leading you, the priority first will be for you to be ministering to him. Above ministering for him. Hmm. We see this principle not just in the New Testament. We see it in the Old as well. In Ezekiel 44.15. It says, But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me. To offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. Now, there's a gentleman. His name is Gerald L. Fry. He was a former pastor of a church in San Jose, California, that had experienced a season of revival. And my wife and I were fortunate 
to have uh, sat under his ministry at a CWC network gathering in Manteca when Bishop brought him and he had written a book which I have read about revival and in it he talks about the lessons that they learned, both positive and negative. And he talks about it's not just important to cry out for revival, but it's important how to, to learn to know how to steer that revival lest abuses happen like occurred in his church. And so he, he shared with us on revival. Well, Gerald Fry also shares a commentary on this verse in Ezekiel 44.15. And he points out, simply stated, Ezekiel sees the temple as inner court ministry to the Lord. We see that in Ezekiel 43, 5, 44, 15 through 17. And outer court ministry to the people. Ezekiel 44, 19. He goes on to point out, the priests who neglected the inner court were called an abomination to God. Verse 13. In contrast, faithful priests who ministered to the Lord with worship and adoration in the inner court Receive God's enablement to minister to the needs of the people in the outer court. And then he breaks it down this way. The God-given pattern in this text calls us to first come near. That is, to daily put God at the center of our lives. Secondly, minister to God. That is, to give Him glory, honor, and power that are due Him. And thirdly, stand before Him. That is, to wait upon God, totally available to Him, acknowledging His Lordship over us. So, we see both in the New and the Old Testament. Minister to before minister for. Now, why is this important? Because when he says in Acts 13 that they ministered to the Lord, The word minister is the Greek word from which we get our English word for liturgy. And it has to do with performing the function of a priest. Well, guess what? What does the word reveal about us New Testament believers? 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9 says that we are a royal priesthood. Not just me. Not just some assigned, appointed leader in the church. But every believer is a priest unto the Lord. Well, what are we learning today? That God wants from us to to understand that if we are going to bear fruit that lasts, then we've got to prioritize minister to before minister for. This is why, even in my profession, There are ministers who burn out because they get caught up with minister for instead of minister to. They don't prioritize their relationship with the Lord. They focus more on their work for the Lord. Watch this though. Your walk with God is to precede your work for God. Your walk with God is to precede your work for God. This is what Jesus reveals in the choosing of the twelve. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, in the New King James, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be what? With him. 
and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Did you see the order there? He appointed them. He called them first. For what? That they might be with him. And then that they might be sent out. See the order. First with him before doing work for him. This is important. In other words, intimacy is to precede ministry. That's where the fruitfulness comes. You see, God doesn't call me or you to minister out of an empty tank. He calls us to minister out of overflow. And this is what happens, you see, because as a preacher, I can get caught up with reading this book just to prepare teachings, to prepare preaching. And as a result, I can end up dry and drained within because I'm not staying connected to the Father for my walk with Him. But if I am connected to Him through reading the Word devotionally so that He can speak to me for my walk, for my growth in Him, then out of that will be birthed the overflow by which I can minister minister without being drained and instead of going from groaning to groaning I'll go from glory to glory I'll go from faith to faith I'll go from strength to strength in the words of pastor Sam Lopez we have to learn to be with Jesus before we can become like Jesus we have to learn to be with Jesus for first that they might be with him. And as they were with him, they became more and more like him. That's how it happened in our lives. But then there's a second principle that Acts 13, verses 1 through 3, teaches us. It is this. Those who minister to the Lord receive ministry from the Lord. Those who minister to the Lord Receive ministry from the Lord. What do you mean, Pastor? The Bible tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Luke 2, 36 through 38. It says, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Or literally, she was 84 years a widow. Who did not depart from the temple, but served who? With fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him, the Redeemer Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I love what Bible teacher and commentator David Gusick points out regarding Anna. He says, Anna was a remarkable woman. As a widow, she knew pain and loss, but had not become bitter. As an elderly woman, she had not lost hope. Perhaps it was because she was a woman of worship. And prayer. I believe that when you and I make it a priority to minister first to God through worship and prayer, we are positioning ourselves to be infused. 
through His power and might on the daily. So that regardless of what comes our way, whether it's in ministry to for Him or living out our life for Him, we will have the reserve, the resource to be able not just to survive the day, but to thrive no matter the day. Because I'm telling you, when you have been in His presence and you have been in fellowship with God, God will impart to you the wisdom that you need for that day. God will give you the strength that you need for that day. God will give you a peace that will guard your heart and mind regardless of the circumstances that come your way. And you will find that unlike that person who is not prioritizing their ministry to the Lord, that instead of going crazy in the midst of the crazy of life, you're going to have a firm foundation underneath you that will keep you standing strong. Not because you're strong in yourself, but because you've been drawing from the well of fellowship with Him. And God doesn't leave dry those that come to Him. Instead, He pours into them and He empowers them and He energizes them and He equips them. You see, I'm saying to us that if we will prioritize ministering to the Lord, then we will find that when we minister for the Lord, it's not going to be dread. Uh, dread. It's not going to be drudgery. It's going to be delightful. Why? Because we will find that we have within ourselves through our connection with Him, the energy, the power, the strength, the ability, the know-how, the wisdom, the understanding, the ability to move beyond what man can do into experiencing what He can do through a man and a woman that says, here I am, Lord, first to offer to You what You're worthy of. And then in Your pouring out to Him, He pours into You. Woo! So, we're, we're coming, I see the lights at the runway, so we're, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming down. Watch this, seven times in the book of Revelation, God issues this command to His church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit Notice, says to the churches. The Spirit has said, but He's still speaking. The Holy Spirit hasn't gone mute. He still speaks. He still guides. He still leads. But notice what the Lord commands seven times in Revelation 2, 7. 211, 217, 229, 36, 313, 322. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Here's the question. The Spirit speaks. Are you positioning yourself to hear what he's saying? Well, Pastor, how? How can I position myself? Let's go back to Acts 13, 1 through 3. In the New Living, Acts 13, 1-3, in the New Living Translation says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul, who would later be known as Paul. One day as these men, notice, were, what were they doing? Worshipping the Lord and what else? 
fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more what? And what? The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Notice it says, after more fasting and prayer in verse 3. In other words, they had already been practicing these disciplines. And it was as they were practicing worship, prayer, and fasting that the Spirit spoke. So how can I listen? How can I position myself to hear what the Spirit is saying? Engage in the practices of prayer, worship, fasting. Take time this week to have your private time, your quiet time, your devotional time with the Lord. Open your Bible. Get into a Bible plan and say, Lord, here I am. Now, let me tell you, out of experience, sometimes you're going to be reading the Word and you're going to be, wow. Other times you're going to be like, but how many of you like cereal? Fruity pebbles, frosted flakes, you know, whatever. Whatever your brand, okay. Well, how many of you have ever taken the time to read the side of the box of cereal and, it's, and, and you see all those ingredients? How many of you can define for me exactly what those things mean? No. But when you eat the cereal, you benefit from whatever those things are that you don't know what they are. It's the same way. If you just, and I take the time to read this word... There's not going to be revelation every day. You're not going to get like angels singing hallelujah and the light shining from heaven and all of a sudden you see the truths of the word. There's times when you read and you feel like I didn't get anything. Yes, you did. You ate it. And whatever's in this book is nurturing, is strengthening, is benefiting you. Now, as they position the church themselves to hear from God what happened. The Spirit spoke and called for Barnabas and Saul to carry out a special work. Now, here's what I've learned as I've studied the Bible. Here's what I've learned. God doesn't call the well-informed. He calls those willing to be formed. God doesn't call the well-informed. He calls those willing To be formed. And you study Barnabas and Saul. They were willing. To be formed. What are you saying pastor? If you're teachable. You're usable. If you're shapeable. You're profitable. If you're available. He will reveal that he is able. Study the lives of Barnabas and Saul, and you discover that God worked mightily through them, not because they were well-informed, but because they were willing to be formed, fashioned. You and I minister to Him before we minister for Him. There's a process taking place of shaping, of fashioning, forming. Back to Mark 3.14 regarding Jesus and the twelve. It says, and he appointed twelve. He appointed twelve. The Greek verb for the word appointed means 
to make someone into something. To make someone into something. And so I'm challenging us as a body. Let us engage regularly on the daily in the practice of prayer and worship and follow the prompting of the Spirit when He calls us to fast in order to take that time to get into the Word instead of eating a meal, get into the Word or spend more time in prayer, spend time in wor- more time in worship. Because if we'll do it, what will happen is He will be shaping and forming and fashioning, but at the same time empowering us to carry out our work for Him in a way that honors Him and in a way, instead of draining us, will keep us developing in our walk with Him. I'm saying to us, let's choose to be God-made instead of self-made. Why are you so passionate about this, Pastor? I'll tell you why. As I shared, color. I've read, still noting, people in my profession falling, disqualifying themselves. People that I've looked up to even received ministry from, their materials, and then finding out, boom, another one bites the dust. I don't say that facetiously or sarcastically. And what motivates me and is the challenge and the goal of my life. I want to finish this thing strong. But I keep getting reminders that if you want to finish strong, you need to stay true to ministering to Him before ministering for Him. Or you too will become a statistic. I believe that what this generation needs is not leaders who make excuses, but leaders who execute. Because when you execute what he tells you to do, you follow his instructions, he will follow up with direction that will be clear and that will lead you into fruitful pastures. Cause your life to be fruitful. So I want to remind us, minister to before minister for. And those who minister to the Lord receive ministry from the Lord. They were ministering in worship and God blessed them with direction. Anna was ministering faithfully For 84 years in the temple, day and night, through prayer and fastings. And what happened? The day came when she got to see the promised Messiah that she believed God was going to send. And she then began to tell people, He's here! He's come! He has come! I want to say to you, if you are ministering to Him, God will never be a debtor to you. 
He's going to reward your work. He's going to reward your sowing. He's going to reward your obedience. He's going to reward your responding to His promptings. He's going to show you. Child, you've been responding. God said through the prophet Isaiah, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Are you willing? Are you ready? Are you available? Are you teachable? Are you shapeable? If you are, then God will lead you by His Spirit to fruitful living. And you'll not survive, you'll thrive through Him. Father, we thank You for showing us how we can be led by Your Spirit and that when we're being led by Your Spirit, it will result in us prioritizing ministry to before ministry for. If we're being led by Your Spirit, then we will experience that those who minister to You receive ministry from You. Lord, I pray for our house. I pray for CWC Life CV. God, that we would be committed as this church in Antioch, its prophets and its teachers, that we we would be committed to fulfill our function as part of the royal priesthood of ministering to you through prayer, through worship, through fastings. Your Spirit prompts us so that we may be positioned to hear what you're saying so that we can advance and progress in carrying out your will and sing your purpose accomplished in the earth, Lord. I told you early on that when they were ministering to the Lord, they were functioning as priest. That you and I are a royal priesthood according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. We are called to offer to the Lord sacrifices. Sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. And so I'm going to invite those of you that would want to join me in this front area. We call it the altar. And we're going to come not so much to ask of Him, but to worship Him. To offer to Him as a priest a sacrifice of thanksgiving, sacrifice of worship, sacrifice gratitude so you say pastor I as I think about even this past week I know without a doubt as Abe said earlier about his favorite verse in Psalm 46 1 I know God helped me he was my help others of you would say I know he was my strength and others of you would say he was my refuge I was able to retreat to his presence and found there the ministry of his spirit giving me peace and giving me hope. And I want to invite you to just come to this altar as a priest unto the Lord.
We're going to do it differently. I know we usually ask for those of you that have needs. And listen, we know God is here to answer your need. But I want to just give Him worship today. I want to give Him praise as a priest. Because I'm telling you, if we will minister to Him automatically, we will receive ministry from Him. If we will worship, we will praise. His presence will be manifested. In the midst of experiencing His glory, He will supply our need according to His riches and glory. So, right now, you feel that. I'm a priest. I want to offer ministry to the Lord. You come then. Come to this altar right now. I want you to wait for the music. You come. Just worship. You come and offer Him thanksgiving. You come. And give Him praise. This is your opportunity to join me. To give the one who is worthy. The praise, the worship that He deserves. And as you do, get ready. As you minister to Him, get ready to receive ministry from Him. It just happens that way.